0: You're listening to the IHOPKC Family Connect podcast. In these 30-minute family conversations, fueled by the Word of God, the beauty of Jesus, and His glorious return, we will explore the narratives the Lord is weaving in the story of the global body of Christ as we digest what the Lord is saying to the church today. Well, hello and welcome, everyone. This is the IHOPKC podcast. I'm David Slyker, president of IHOPU, here with Isaac Bennett, lead pastor of Foreign Church. Thanks for being with us.
1: So good to be here.
0: And I'm here with Dana Candler, the prayer director for IHOP U, helping to oversee our prayer and intercession training for our students with her husband, Matt Candler. We are so thankful for the two of you. We, we love d- it. We had a really robust conversation in our last episode around the glory of intercession, the glory of our calling, our assignment before the Lord. That was That was a... Really sweet personal conversation. I, I loved it. I want to advance the conversation a bit in that I'm presenting a premise today. This is the premise. And this is, you know, we've had 20,000 staff and students and interns over the past 22 years, over 20,000 that have been a part of us. Not visitors, we're not talking about church, our congregation. That we love, we love the folks that are part of our church. But what we're talking about, over 20,000 that have been on staff or a student with us over the past 22 years, I have a radical proposition to make to the two of you. Whether it was name them
1: all. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes, thank you, Isaac. You're sharing a mind with me as usual. No, I. uh, This is my premise for them for them, should they ever hear this podcast, that whether they were here for three months or whether they were here for three years or more, whatever the duration of their time here, I believe that they entered into what we talked about, our intercessory missionary assignment. They entered into it to, to, to the degree by which there was grace on their lives. And in entering into it, they entered into our assignment to contend for Kansas City. This city, that that uh, there's a story that we don't talk about a lot, that I want to talk about this episode, and it's the story of Kansas City. It's a beautiful story, and it's one that I never thought that I would tell. Uh, You know, I'm I'm from upstate New York. Well, everybody, just about everyone at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, just about, is from somewhere else. There's very few people that are from here. But even if you are from here, what I'm about to say next is irrelevant to that in that sense. Whether you're from here, from there. I think the great surprise, particularly for our internationals that are, among, that are in our midst, we have many Koreans and, and, and Chinese believers, um, Portuguese believers from Brazil. Um, we have many from around the nations that have joined us. But what's interesting is I believe the Lord brought them here for a season in large part to contend for Kansas City and the promises of God over Kansas City. And I think, this is the other part of my premise, I think that if we had a revelation of Kansas City from the Lord's perspective, how critical that city is, this city is to Him, which I think would blow our minds if we understood. I think it would reinvigorate us in our assignment at another level, that we're not just contending for global purpose, we're, we're here to contend for global purpose as it involves the breakthrough of the Lord in Kansas City, the, the breakthrough that Bob Jones prophesied more than anybody else about, more than Paul Kane, more than Augustine, and, and other prophetic voices, Bob had a lot to say about Kansas City specifically and the heart of the Lord for this mm-hmm. city and the role of this city in the purposes of God around the nation and beyond. It's, it's such an interesting subject that's not easy to talk about. Yeah, and
1: the sovereignty of God's sometimes he just picks locations. Mm -hmm. He just picks places and then does stuff there. And the more that I look at the Kansas City story, um, I am just struck by the sovereign choice of God. It was by no merit of man that the Lord (laughs) appointed promises that that would touch this city and really impact the ends of the earth. I mean, really would. I believe he's gonna do that. I mean, to a degree he already is, man. Lord's a wild leader. <laughs>
0: yes. I was listening to a, a Bob Jones interview from many years ago, and he was talking about the Lord's sovereign choice of Kansas City, and he wouldn't explain it. Like, like, different ones in the interview tried to pin him down. Like, is it because of Harry Truman and Israel that God picked Kansas City? And he goes, nope. He goes, nope, this predates that. He was real set on it. But he, would, he wouldn't say much beyond, he goes, it was Papa's choice. It was Papa's choice and that's all I'll say about that. He chose it. It's his decision. And I'm just I'm just here to tell you what mm. that's good enough for me. And actually I think it was Mike that said, so that's good enough for you, he goes, It's good enough for me. He picked it, it's good enough for me. Mm. But I thought that one of the things that was fascinating that he talked about, that I didn't think about until he said it. He goes, he goes, There was a need for the Holy Spirit in our generation and believers in this region began to cry out in an unusual way. And in the streets of this region, in the streets of Kansas City, and, and for knowers of church history, specifically the streets of Topeka, which is right here, um, Charles Fox Parham, the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the Azusa Street revival that would begin shortly after, actually begins here in our region. And Bob's point is that's a sign For us to believe that there's a sovereign choice of kansas city and the move of the spirit that's going to touch the ends of the earth we can see the early signs of it in 1900 right here in this region
2: wow yeah I, i think i loved how you you started with just that sovereign choice and how you know i think it's easy to feel that hesitance because we get into the minds of one another and just go. I don't know. That's just weird to say, you know. <laughs> and but if you're if you're just trying to agree with whatever the Lord has revealed, um, you have to agree with Him and just go. Okay, you pick who you pick and you do what you do. And and we don't know all the reasons, but I, nevertheless, I don't want to pull back and draw back simply because it feels weird. I want to stand with you, and I, I want to agree with you. And so it just has to be that step mm-hmm. forward in believing and agreeing with Jesus.
0: I think we so don't want to talk about ourselves or make much of ourselves yeah. that we actually in this regard can get into false humility. Yeah. We can assume that believers in other cities that are listening to this, most people listening to this are from somewhere else. And we can assume that they're like, oh, I don't t- I, who cares about Kansas City? Right. But it's funny, because when I, a number of years ago, um, actually one of the most significant trips of my life, I go with my wife to Pasadena, California with Lou and Therese Engel. I'm helping to facilitate a week in Pasadena of Lou telling his story related to the call. We're getting it on, we're getting it on video, and it's a really sweet week. And so in that week, Lou takes us around Los Angeles to give us the, the revival history of Los Angeles. And it's significant. Like When you, when you hear Los Angeles' revival history, I don't know of hardly any places on Earth that have that history. And as an outsider to L.A. from Kansas City, I'm not hearing their story going, well, why are we talking about Los Angeles? Who cares about Los Angeles? I'm hearing the story going, wow, I'm honoring what the Lord did through the saints of old. I'm honoring what the Lord did through Catherine Kuhlman. I'm honoring what the Lord did uh, through Billy Graham and and so many amazing saints. I mean, the stories are unbelievable. And so you leave with a reverence. John R. Mott and Mott Auditorium and what the Lord did there with the student volunteer missions movement. You don't think why there and not here. You think this is part of my story that the Lord touched Los Angeles and launched a student volunteer missions Mm -hmm. movement. That's part of our story and you celebrate it. And, uh, and so I I think I don't want to assume what folks out there are thinking when we tell God's story related to Kansas city. I want to tell it. I just feel like we've lost it a bit over the years.
2: Cause really it's bragging on the beauty of Jesus's leadership and, and Jesus, the way that he, he does pick, he picks people, he picks places, and and then in the age to come, when we're able to see as he sees, we will be so tender at how strategic he was as he saw that those cries that went forth in that area and that region, and then decided, you know, this this region he wanted to move in, specifically knit to that storyline and those hearts, and we'll see how it all worked together in the same way that we we see as the body one another and and the leadership of Jesus over each other, we'll see the same thing with cities. And he's just that good of a leader.
0: That's right. That's right. And, and I mean, the thing that we talk about all the time, it, it is, in one sense, not just Kansas City, it really is a 500-mile radius. We've talked about that for a number of years. It's been a while since we've talked about that. But we really do believe there's a 500-mile radius of sovereign activity from Dallas to Denver to Chicago to St. Louis and beyond we believe that that many cities are going to be wrapped up in this sovereign thing that that Bob Jones saw so many years ago but uh, but the epicenter of not everything God's going to do in the earth before the return of Jesus but the epicenter a significant epicenter of his activity would be here it was a uh, it was you know 1975 bob is having his death experience and in that death experience he famously is standing before the Lord, hearing the Lord ask, did you learn to love? You know, each saint that's waiting, did you learn to love? And when it's Bob's turn, the Lord tells him he's going to send him back. And he's going to send him back for a sovereign purpose connected to this city and the destiny, the prophetic promises over this city, that he was to be a steward of those promises as it relates to discipling different young people related to, the, to what the Lord was going to do. I mean, it's really beautiful. So he's, mm. co- so, he's, so he's coming back, as it were. And as he's coming back, he sees two giant angels talking to each other back and forth. And one of the things that he says they're
1: prophesying about Kansas City. They're
0: prophesying about Kansas City. And he says, as this is happening, he sees what looks like a nuclear explosion. He freaks out, actually, because he thinks... It means the Lord's telling him the Kansas City is going to be destroyed in a nuclear bomb. And he, he looks again, and the nuclear explosion, the epicenter of it, is the Truman Sports Complex. Arrowhead Stadium, Royal Stadium, uh, Kauffman Stadium. He sees the epicenter of this nuclear bomb going off at the sports complex. And he sees the light from the nuclear explosion spreading through the city. And it, some people are getting touched by it and they're dancing and laughing and crying and singing and shaking he goes, but some people, he goes, they, they went about their business. The light touches them and it, it's, they can't, it's like nothing's happening to them. They're not, mm-hmm. they're unaffected by what's happening, by what the Lord's doing. I love what he called it. He called it, he goes, he realized it wasn't an actual nuclear bomb. He goes, he goes, it was the second atom's bomb. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's funny. It made me laugh. It was so sweet. The second Adams bomb. It was a, it was a nuclear bomb of revival power, starting at the stadiums, but spreading through the whole city. Mm. I mean, what? I, I mean, that is just so
1: powerful. Wow. The explosion of light. The explosion of I mean, light. That's how we talk about it in, you know, in the prophetic history. It's wild.
2: And the, just as it is in the heart of a man, that was part of it kansas city being the heart of the nation yes just in that heart that place the lord wanted to bring forth that light
1: yeah he says uh bob talks about in one of his transcripts i'm going to paraphrase a little bit because i don't have it right in front of me but he talks about when the lord wants to renew a man in terms of his own personal revival he begins with his heart and goes from the inside out and he said that's one of the reasons why god chose kansas city because There is a great awakening and revival, a third great revival to revive the nation, and it needs to begin in the heartland, in the heart of America. Right smack dab in the middle is Kansas City. Mm -hmm. And he said he would begin with the heartland, and it would spread out from that region what the Lord was going to do in terms of a third great awakening in America. And
0: then from there, these promises get more specific as the years unfold. In other words, we know that there's going to be in the future a significant revival that begins, not just in Kansas City, it begins in the Truman Sports Complex. That's how specific what Bob saw was. Yeah, That it touches the city, but then is instrumental in reviving the nation in a significant way. Like, that's, a, that's so beautiful. But then as the story unfolds, the Lord shows and reveals more and more, or Bob reveals more of what had been revealed to him. And so there's the story, you know, of Mike. I'm not gonna tell the whole I'm not gonna tell all the stories in detail, but I just want to point at him because there are promises attached to him. And it's the story of Mike, uh, with you know, just the bad sermon that he preaches and he's kind of frustrated about it, and the altar call has like three people. But everyone he prays for gets hit with a profound spirit of conviction and falls to the ground wailing and crying out to God for mercy. And Bob tells him. You were hoping for a net today because of an experience with the Lord He had the night before. You were hoping for a net today to catch many fish, and the Lord today gave you a hook. But uh, but the day's coming where the Lord's going to, where that kind of evangelism mm-hmm. is gonna hit the city where it's gonna be just piercing to the heart and filled with the spirit of conviction, and so that kind of mass evangelism and salvation would be coming to Kansas City. We've talked about it in terms of hundreds of thousands of souls, but but I think we're mixing up stories. It's it's power evangelism at a different level. That's one of the promises that the Lord spoke yeah. over the city. A, a thousand churches are a part of the Church of Kansas City, mm-hmm. and I believe a thousand churches are going to walk in that power evangelism like we've never seen before that the Lord promised in that moment.
1: Yeah, and this kind of goes back, um, this is an earlier story even that's coming to me, is in 82 in when Mike moves from St. Louis and they're going to plant the church, you know, Kansas City Fellowship back in 82. And there's a small group of people, and they're praying before the, uh, the Sunday that they're going to launch, the kind of their big church launch day, and they're praying. And the Lord just highlights in a very unusual way Gideon and the spirit of Gideon and, um, and, and highlights that specifically to them, only to find out years later in Howard Pittman And he's the guy, the police officer from Louisiana that dies, also has a near-death experience. I think it's the same year that Bob did in, like, 75 or late 70s. His was 79. Okay, 79. And the Lord reveals to him that he would come and that he would strengthen, you know, this little band of Gideons in Kansas City and publishes it in his book. But my point isn't all the details, the wow details of that prophetic story, but rather the sovereignty of God to choose small, weak things (laughs) (laughs) like Gideon. And we know from Judges 6 and 7, he defeats the the Midianite army. In other words, God's sovereign appointing of things that seem so small and insignificant and counted out That is how I feel most of the time in what we're doing here, contending for these promises. What we do feels so small, feels so weak, it feels so insignificant. And when I complain in my heart to the Lord about that, you know, I'm I'm being funny, but when I complain in my heart, the Lord's like, "Ah, that's the point. I want it to be that way. I set it up that way on purpose. Because he doesn't want any person or ministry or individual receiving the glory and getting all the credit. And he knows exactly how to perform his purposes, in this case, revival in Kansas City that will touch the ends of the earth, that is attached to no particular man or ministry or whatever it is. He has the way of leading it in a way where he really does get all the glory.
0: Yeah. I mean I think I'm going to keep going. There are in a, in a, in the story as we understand it, there are two different significant prophetic encounters around the subject of healing. There's there's the the promise that no disease known to man would stand before the people of God. Right. Um there's the promise of Dominus that the Lord would come as a friend in releasing the the power to heal, unprecedented power to heal. Right. And so we have power evangelism or the spirit of conviction of sin. I mean, like nothing we've seen before. John 16. Yeah, I would guess it's beyond Charles Finney level conviction of sin. That hook that that, that Mike experienced for a moment where he's just barely able to say anything coherent and the heart is cut in two. But then two more significant promises of healing. I mean, think about just. Just pausing there for a moment the explosion the nuclear explosion of light and glory starting in the sports complex power evangelism like we've never seen healing where anyone that is sick right mm-hmm. their hands are laid on them across a thousand congregations I mean I can't I can't even imagine a thousand congregations all laying hands on people and seeing them get healed
1: yeah right I mean, that harkens to the 1950s healing revivals where in the tents, you know, Paul Cain and others, every person they prayed for would be healed. I mean, every single one. There were multiple nights where that happened. There was not one person that came sick. And Paul, you know, not to go long on these stories, but this is the kind of the magnitude of this power, would have a word of knowledge for everyone that was in the healing line. He knew what their sickness was, and when he prayed for it, it was instantly healed, obviously by the power of God. So imagine that, but multiplied across the city. Okay, a, th- a thousand congregations. Let's say it's a hundred thousand believers. But then seven thousand believers. I'm kind of halfway making that number up. Are being added to the kingdom, and they're also walking in that level of power that we see in the Book of Acts, that we see from healing revivals. This is unprecedented. You think people are gonna hear about that on the internet? Or, on, or see that on TV in a news clip and not come to Kansas City? I mean, that's going to open the floodgates for people to come. That's what happened in the ministry of Jesus. They came all the way from Syria to, to hear this Messiah, this healing rabbi, right? And to be healed by Him. I mean, it's wild. Well, it, what's interesting is
0: in the 90s, late 90s, they came from all over the world to Brownsville mm-hmm. right, related to the power of evangelism anointing. They weren't coming for healing anointing. They were coming because every time that young girl played mercy seat after the preaching of the gospel, the spirit of conviction, I felt it, I went. The spirit of conviction on the gospel related to sin and repentance was unlike anything anyone had experienced. And believers from all over the world are flooding this little city in North Florida called Brownsville because they wanted to experience the power of God in the way that it was being communicated that's not even healing, that's not.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: When you have a city-wide expression of that, not just one church in Brownsville, Florida, but a thousand churches walking in that, and then you have a thousand churches walking in healing power like we've never heard of where it's not just the anointed man of god leading the tent meeting right. but it's the it's the youth group kid on row 10 and they're kind of going well will it happen if i pray and right
1: boom that person's healed which are stories from azusa it was the kids in the youth group so yeah. to speak that were moving in some of the greatest power and miracles but nobody tells their stories you can find their stories but nobody tells their stories i mean little kids walking in the power of god seeing signs wonders miracles
2: What's striking me is the conviction. I've heard the story so many times that actually happened to Mike when that the hooks in the heart, so to speak, that level of conviction, they so three men, or I don't know if it was a woman or a man, but fell to the ground just groaning yeah, in this conviction of me, mercy. Yeah. But I'm thinking of that not just the unbelievers, but the church. Believers and all that we've been talking about this last year with a lukewarm spirit cut out of the heart through that level of wow. conviction. You know, that is something unprecedented. Like the human heart, the heart of the believer, the heart of the unbeliever that's coming into the kingdom under that heavy conviction. Wow. I mean, that is, that's the first commandment. Mm-hmm. That's when the heart is postured. For full love and givenness to Jesus.
0: We said this in earlier podcasts. We believe that the church, under divine discipline, related to a Laodicean or or a a lukewarm or lethargic, slothful, as you said last year, spirit, as it relates to you know an indifference and coldness in our relationship, our love relationship with Jesus. We said it many times. We said we believe the Lord is going to deliver the church from the Laodicean spirit, and the global church is going to operate in, a, in fiery passion for right. Jesus without indifference. When you say that, we're like, we get excited. But when you reduce it to a city, when you take mm-hmm. these promises and start thinking about it in terms of a city, like, I mean, I've written books about the global outpouring of the Holy Spirit from Joel 2. When I think global outpouring, I go, yeah, that's so exciting but when but there's something about reducing it to the thousand congregations and now if i say guys there's a day coming before that where a thousand congregations in this city in unity will be delivered from a lukewarm spirit will be delivered from spiritual lethargy and will be delivered into historic passion for jesus in the midst of the evangelism and the healing yes. it's going to happen amongst these thousand congregations there's a little part of me that starts getting unbelief Like, I don't know that it can happen for that one church. Like, really, that church down the road, too? And the Lord goes, see, (laughs) it's easy to believe in the abstract. But the moment you get it to a citywide level, it actually actually tests your faith a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking of Mike's dream. I think it's a dream he has in 1984. And the Lord says to him, I'm going to give you a grand view of the kingdom from grand view. I mean, that's our little city that we're in you know, that's where Harry Truman, the the Harry Truman property is, and, and the Lord says, I'm going to give a grand view of the kingdom. A grand view of the kingdom meant f- a full manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit, all the gifts of the Spirit manifesting in the body of Christ, not just in Kansas City, which is a large metropolitan area, about 2 million people, but in a little city, how many, 35,000 in Grandview, a grand view of the kingdom from all of Grandview. He says, you know, the Asia is going to be dynamically connected. You're going to be Best friends with the Chinese. I mean, the Lord is going to knit your hearts to so many believers across the body of Christ from this little city that's here. And when you begin to stare at that, I think that's kind of where we all feel that, like, sense of trepidation. It's like, this seems so big and grandiose. Our fear is that we get lost in that grandiose nature of it and forget to do our assignment today. And we got to fight against that but we also have to say what the Lord said. He did say, I'll give a grand view of the kingdom from grand view. We have to embrace that and believe that, otherwise we're gonna quit.
0: I mean, I just, I'll just i throw out one more, and of course it's Paul Cain's, and, and Bob, Bob said them as well. Bob said them early on in 85, Paul said them a few years later in 1988 and following, that, uh, that there was, I mean, and in, in, in the same way that Bob saw the nuclear explosion, of light at, in the sporting complex, um, Truman Sports Complex, Paul saw that stadium filled.
1: Stadium Christianity. Right.
0: He saw it filled. And what's interesting is he didn't see it filled as a church program or an intentional thing the church does to get people to go to the stadium. What Paul saw was the spontaneous filling of the stadium because of the outbreak of the power of God in the church and the way in which it would create a natural procession into right. the stadium.
1: Related to healing.
0: Related right. to healing. And so much so that not only was the stadium itself filled with hungry people wanting to encounter God, and and young people on a platform not having to change their clothes for days, not having to get rest, that there was a supernatural anointing on them to right. lead what what was happening. But then because of that, he saw outside the stadium as many outside as in trying to get in and he saw this is the part that we don't talk about as much corresponding with that kind of sovereign moment down at the Truman Sports Complex I think I think the number correct me if I'm wrong that he saw at that moment 7,000 a day or more getting saved and coming into the kingdom. That was the
1: number that he talked about. And he he described, for those that don't know, the Truman Sports Complex is Arrowhead. It's the Chiefs Stadium, and it's right next to, connected by parking lots, K Stadium, the Royals, which is the baseball team. So there's two stadiums right next to each other. From what I I remember, he described there's 100,000 on the inside of these stadiums. There's 100,000 on the outside trying to get in. The power of God is being released through the nameless, faceless generation. They're preaching, and the worship team is going continuously for three days and three nights. I think it'll be longer than that, but at least one of the worship teams, nobody knows who they are. They're going three days and three nights. They're supernaturally sustained by the power of God. They don't have to change their clothes. They don't have to use the restroom. They don't have to drink water. The power of God is so manifest. And not only that, but one of the details is that they're bringing dead bodies in these hearses, driving them up to the stadium. They're bringing them in, and the power of God is hitting these dead bodies, and people are being raised from the dead like crazy. So it's evangelism, salvation, that's the power of God, conviction. It's healing of bodies. It's the raising of the dead. And like you said, that there would be a time where it would be 7,000 a week that were coming to the Lord in Kansas City. I don't know. I I can't remember. Maybe it was a day. I can't remember. I thought it was
0: 7,000 a day. I
1: remember the number 7,000. But it it is just an overwhelming Overwhelming. amount of of new converts coming in. And the whole thing, like you said, it culminates through this spontaneous uh, outbreak of healing that leads to a procession, a 12-mile procession down Blue Ridge Boulevard from where our church is now all the way down to Truman Sports Complex, and the sick are coming out of the neighborhoods along the way. And the people are getting healed that are lame and crippled, and the guy that's in the wheelchair is pushing his wheelchair. The, The lady that uses the walker, she's carrying her walker and the crutches, and the power of God is being released. And there's singers and musicians, like this priestly procession, walking down to the stadium in this spontaneous revival healing event. Here's why I love that story. (laughs) Here's why I love that story. It's exciting, right? And and, and Even as I'm sharing, I feel the excitement of it. Here's why I love it. I love the impossibility of it. You can't make that happen. You can't organize some big March crusade thing all the way down to to a stadium and spontaneously fill both stadiums and the power of God show up. You can't orchestrate that type of revival. You can't put it on a calendar. You can't plan it. I love the impossibility of it because it keeps us humble. It's like there's no way this is going to happen unless God does it.
2: Yeah, let's just isolate that one phrase, the nameless and faceless generation. Talk about miraculous in an hour uh, where a generation is most focused on self in the hour of yeah. men will be lovers of self there is a nameless and faceless generation that's caught up in the beauty of Jesus so much that they do not want a name they do not want to be known they want him to be that is miraculous wow. they want him to be made known like we just isolate that one phrase wow.
1: we're forgetting the whole part where the newscasters come on <laughs> on tv And they say tonight there is no news to report but good news. And they start testifying of the works of God that are happening in Kansas City. Kansas City, I mean, if you've ever watched the local news, it's so depressing. I mean, just like any major city, it is rife with crime and, and just horrible things that are happening. Actually, the area where the Truman Sports Complex is, that region, I don't know if it's exactly that zip code or whatever it is is like the murder capital in kansas city per capita more murders happen in that region than anywhere else and these newscasters get on and they're testifying of the works of god that's going to happen one day
2: that's right
0: this this is so fun this is probably my favorite episode of this entire podcast series and we've had some fun ones i love this so much here's why i'm talking about this today here's why i wanted to do this I wanted to do this, and and I think it's the beginning of a conversation. I suspect, I hope, it'll be similar to last year's 40-day fast conversation because we're about to embark on another 40-day fast. And uh, so from March uh, 7th, 40 days, it's a Daniel fast. To Lou, April 15th. To April 15th. Lou Engel is calling it, and we uh, as an IHOP leadership team have responded. We've said, yes, we want to do this. Um, we want to engage. We we haven't defined yet exactly what that's going to look like for our spiritual family, but we're saying yes to the 40-day fast, and I'm so excited. And as I began to ponder this fast, uh, just a couple things were hitting me in a way I couldn't ignore. Number one, we, we just lost uh, we- John Wesley Adams, our beloved intercessor. He's been in a wheelchair for a number of years, but the most faithful intercessor Kansas City's ever seen the the gift of of wesley adams to kansas city mm-hmm. and what he represented as an intercessor for the these promises this is he 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 might have interceded for israel I, I don't i've never known him to he might have interceded for you know the middle east i never heard it that man carried kansas city and these promises in his heart in a way in a singular way Beyond any intercessor I've ever met, wow. and it just it blesses me to honor him today. But more than that, I in his passing I feel like all right, us generation, mm-hmm. let's get with it. Like like it's uh, it's stirring me that that Lou and David Bradshaw and Andy Byrd, and even yesterday I was talking to to uh, Graham with the Send who's helping to mobilize. It stirs me that they are more zealous for these specific promises than at times our own people, me, are. And there's something in me that's going, you know what? These are ours. Mm -hmm. They can be yours, too, and you can contend with us, but we got to take these personally. And I'm feeling a zeal going into this fast to lean in and contend before the Lord for the beginnings of these promises to break out in our city. This is our assignment yeah. It makes our assignment more specific and more urgent. Our assignment includes participating with the rest of the body of Christ in 100 million Gentile intercessors for right. Israel. We
1: didn't even talk about that in Harry Truman. No. We didn't even talk about Joel's army and training. No. We I mean there's just holiness unto so the yeah. Lord. <laughs> our assignment includes a
0: global prayer movement and missions movement that will touch the ends mm-hmm. of the earth. Our our assignment includes young people that the Lord would raise up and send to touch the ends of the earth with the message of the Lord's return and the gospel of the kingdom. Our assignment is to participate with the body on those things. But a key part of our assignment that I just have a zeal to recapture is the contending as intercessors for the promises over this city, to contend for Kansas City to be what the Lord said it would be for such a time as this. So this was a, it's a sweet conversation, but I want to register. I believe it's the beginning Mm of a really necessary conversation to get something back in our spiritual DNA that I feel like we've been deficient in. And so thanks for
1: Amen. So good. Lord, this. light the fire again. Mm-hmm. Amen.
0: Isaac, why don't you pray along those lines? Because we're staring at this fast that's coming up and these promises that we just talked about, and you're stirred, I'm stirred, Dana's stirred. But whatever is on your heart as we close, pray for us.
1: Lord, I ask that you would light the fire again. I remember that old mm-hmm. Vineyard 90s song. Don't let my vision die. I'm calling out, light the fire again. We ask that you would light the fire again in the heart of your people, that you would ignite a groan within the heart of your intercessors, a groan too deep for words, that all of your promises would be yes and a y- amen. That the fathers and the mothers with their eyes would see the completion of these promises, Lord. And what you spoke decades ago, we cry out, O God, for a great move of your spirit and power in this city. We cry out that the intercessors would rise up in this hour to be set as watchmen on your wall and to stand and contend in that tension. Lord, that all your promises would be yes and amen. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you,
0: both of you. This was an enjoyable time. I want to say one last thing. I want to say this specifically to Ron Tucker and Wes Martin, our dear friends in St. Louis. In 1979, the Lord spoke powerfully and clearly that Saint, the Church of St. Louis, that St. Louis and Kansas City were one people in this storyline and this uh, these promises that we're contending for. So when we contend for Kansas City, beloved ones in St. Louis, I know you're listening. We are contending for you as well. We love you. We miss you. Amen. Subscribe. Keep tracking with us. We got lots ahead that the Lord is saying and doing, and we love that you're a part. Amen. Bless you.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the IHOPKC Family Connect podcast. Consider subscribing if you haven't, and follow us on social media for other content from IHOPKC.